Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to 242nd episode of the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. In Nashville, Tennessee, I'm the professor, Matt Perkins. And a pick play across the Harpeth River from me here in the Music City, it's our own offensive coordinator, the coach, Corey Burton. Dude, don't throw the flag on me now for the pick, so um, I'm excited to be here, man. I had a great episode 241, talked about some games, got a got a weird slate of games this this week, we just got to keep holding on so that uh, COVID doesn't get us so we can finish the season. Yeah, let's let's hope so. But we can't get started without the third amigo in the second city, a man who appreciates the cinema of both Jean Gabin and Jean-Claude Van Damme. It's our intrepid blogger from Big Ten and Counting, Josh Cook. Bloodsport. <laughs> I mean, how can you not be excited about this week of football? We've got a great slate of games highlighted by... The uh, incredible matchup in the MAC that I'm sure everyone's excited about: Bowling Green and uh, Miami of Ohio. Zero and five versus two and one. Let's do it. Hasn't that one already been called off because of COVID? Probably not, according to ESPN. <laughs> okay, well then it's still on at the they're moment. All, they're all slated for Doit L. Perry Stadium in Bowling Green, Ohio. Uh, and here I was thinking you were going to make a a joke about La Bête Humaine, the human <laughs> beast. One of the great French poetic realist cinema uh, triumphs of the late 1930s. Before we jump into the show, we got to remind you guys that we here at Illegal Motion are brought to you by BetOnline.ag. The football season's in full swing, and while you may not be at the game this season, you can still be in on the action at BetOnline. So no matter who your team is, from game spreads to totals, team player and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else online. Plus, there's always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head on over to BetOnline.ag today to take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's BetOnline.ag today, and sign up today bet online your online sportsbook experts let's jump right into it josh your team and my team are facing off here in week 15 in iowa city uh your team is on the upswing my team is on the downswing how badly is iowa going to beat wisconsin this weekend and take home one of the stupidest (laughs) trophies in all of the big 10 play well the obvious reverse jinx aside um You know, Wisconsin's offense has been atrocious the last two games, and we've documented that really well in our previous show just to recap it. Yeah, we don't need to get to that again. Yeah, just just to recap it. I will be so depressed. Let me just recap it super quick if you haven't listened to the last show. Essentially, Wisconsin's offensive line is struggling. The wide receiver core is banged up. They're supposed to be back for this game and healthier. Maybe they will be, maybe they won't be. That remains to be seen. And Mertz is making some freshman mistakes. Mostly Matt highlighted his footwork. So, you know, if Wisconsin's wide receivers are healthy, that's going to change the complexion of the game. The problem is we've only seen Wisconsin's offense firing all cylinders against Illinois and Wisconsin. Or, excuse me, Illinois and Michigan. Um, Iowa's defense has been really good. All season long, Uh, Iowa is a one-point stupidity-driven loss from against Northwestern away from playing in the Big Ten title game. Um, Iowa has gotten better each week, Um, and I think the Hawkeyes are, you know, I don't know, like, what their drive is since they're eliminated from the Big Ten title game, but I have noticed that they're playing really hungry and I think Wisconsin once they lost to Northwestern and well even before that really I they had such a long suspension due to COVID in play that I know they came out and smacked Michigan around but they had to have known that the odds of them getting to the title game were dramatically reduced and we saw some of that just not as hungry against Northwestern and and Indiana there wasn't like that drive 
And so I'm not entirely sure what is driving Iowa, but they seem like a hungrier team. They seem like a team that wants to kind of prove a point. They seem like a team that wants to have all their trophies from their rivalry games in Iowa City this year. And um, I think Wisconsin certainly has the talent to win. It's just, will those wide receivers be healthy enough? If they're not, forget about it. The offense for Wisconsin will struggle. And if Wisconsin doesn't meet Iowa's hunger and drive, I'm also not sure that they can win the game. But, you know, it's a rivalry. It's going to be a goofy one. Um, The line is even, so it shows you how goofy people are predicting this game. Um, I just hope Iowa avoids one of their sleepy starts, you know. They have three straight three and outs and and fall behind 14-0. There's no telling what what's going to happen. Maybe Wisconsin blows the barn doors off Iowa if that happens. Yeah, I mean, I see this as a as a uh you know, just a mentality for Wisconsin. It just seemed like once they you know, they came out and they they had that performance against Illinois and and Graham Mertz was, you know, the talk of the talk of the country and then boom, Wisconsin's out for three weeks and they can't – it just seemed like they haven't really come back from that. I mean, yeah, they played against Michigan, but we, we see how bad Michigan is now and, and they just just seem like they lost their mojo. And and for, for Wisconsin, they just – honestly, in all of this, they did find a running back. Jalen Berger is going to be uh, one to watch here um, as, the season, as the season goes on because – Wisconsin predicates on the run game. We know that, right? Um, they they predicate on a run game and play action. And when the run game's working, which it did against Michigan, it did against Illinois, when they play a clean game, meaning penalties are not a factor, they take care of the football, they're usually pretty damn good. Um, and they're usually pretty explosive, and they, and, and they can move the ball. And they can move the ball with great efficiency and great effectiveness. When they... When they get drives stalled out from getting behind the chains due to penalties, they can't get much of a run game going. They can't, you know, it just seems like they're slogging and running in mud and they're playing a little bit sleepy. They can't get much things going. And, and for Wisconsin, feed Jalen Berger early because you need to get some confidence. You need to get some confidence because that's the main thing they lack right now. We could, Matt, you and I, we could talk about play calls to a blue in the face, right? Well, that's what I was about to call. Uh, yeah. I was about to say is that we as can long talk as Joe Rudolph's ca- calling the plays, I don't believe that this offense is going to score more than 14 points. Just run the ball. Run the ball with Berger. Just, just get some positive yards early in the game. Take advantage of what Iowa hasn't been able to do thus far this season, which is get off to a fast start. Take advantage of that. Feed Berger. Get an early touchdown. Get some early points. Get you an early 10 points. And, and see what kind of a hole that puts Iowa in and see how they respond. For Iowa, again, get off to a good start um, and make sure that you don't let – make sure you knock Wisconsin down early and don't let them off the mat because Wisconsin is still a very talented team. They're just a team that's playing with zero confidence. Run the dang, run the dang ball, Run the dang ball, Bobo! Yeah, run the damn ball, Rudolph. Is how, is run the run, 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 Rudolph! Yeah. Uh, so a couple things. A last two games they've gone away from the jet sweep. They absolutely demolished. But Michigan. do they have a guy that can run the jet sweep? Yes, Chimery DK. They absolutely do. Even if Davis and Pryor are out, DK can do it. DK can absolutely do it. We also Berger as a high schooler played a lot in the slot. He could absolutely run it out of the slot as well. But Chimery DK can absolutely run that. We're gonna have Danny Davis back. He's the most effective wide receiver running the ball. Either of those guys can run the jet sweep very effectively. I would like to see them get back to what that. What percentage would you put Davis's health at? Mm, 85? Okay. Uh, 85, 90? 35, 45 minutes. <laughs> and the thing about that is even if it's not getting a ton of yards at and use it as window dressing to, I mean, Iowa is always going to have great linebackers, always going to have great linebackers. And 
the thing the thing that really frustrated me is that they didn't even try it against Northwestern. We know Northwestern has amazing linebackers and maybe won't fall for it. But even if it even if it's that quarter of a second that they have to think about it and respect it, that might be all Jalen Berger needs to break a big one. I mean, coach, you know that as well as yeah, anyone. Absolutely. I mean, if you can get linebackers to play fat, flat-footed cuz they're never you're never going to fool good linebackers. That's not the point. The point is to get them to react slow or play flat-footed. If you exactly. can, if you can get them even just a step slow, Wisconsin has a talented enough offensive line that they can do some damage. Jalen Berger is talented enough to hit a home run uh, if those guys are a step slow, and, and and that's the name of the game. And and if and they could do that in a passing game as well because Mertz, they finally got a quarterback that can make you pay and play action. Like even on the third level, if they can get those guys playing flat-footed or slightly downhill, uh, biting on the run. Then they can go over the top, and they they can they can figure some things out too. But they've got to they've got to find their identity. They've got to play with some confidence, and they got to feed Jalen Berger early and often. I think that if Wisconsin can do those three things, find their identity, which they're not a they're not a ten personnel, eleven personnel team. Let's just be honest about that. Um, they're they're twenty two personnel, play action, throw from tight sets, and run the damn ball. That's their identity. Go with it. Play with confidence. Strike, get big plays. Get some confidence going. Yeah, absolutely. And you know who has to be confident? Who's that? The Big Ten, baby. We're up 6-1 to after the first day of the Big Ten ACC Challenge. (laughs) Wait, are we talking about (laughs) basketball? I was was checking some scores while you guys were talking. I I, I thought we were talking about real sports here. Um, No, I'm just kidding. Uh, So, uh, yeah, another big game in this conference. Uh, You know, the Buckeyes are – wait, hold on. Uh, Checks notes. Oh, sorry about that. Uh, Jim Harbaugh. Are you guys excited for the land-grant trophy between Penn State and Michigan State? Uh, No. I'm really not excited for much of anything else. You want to hear a fun fact about Penn State? James Franklin's still employed? Yes. Um, <laughs> another fun fact then. Um, they send – there's a coach. Uh, I don't know how – I don't know what the connection is. I think I met him at the Army All-American game but um, when I used when I was working for Rivals. But uh, he uh, – I follow. I'm friends with him on Facebook, and Penn State sent him a full care package in the mail. Like they shipped him like – Coaching shoes, like a coaching polo, a long sleeve t shirt, short sleeve t shirt, a hat, visor. I mean, they sent him like gear. Like they geared him up. I thought that was kind of cool. But otherwise, this is going to be a, the pillow fight of the century. Yeah, it's game wise. Uh, yeah. Let's move on talking about a, a, a rank versus rank matchup over in the ACC. When North Carolina heads down to South Beach to take on Miami, you won't see me scratching my head down there at Hard Rock Stadium in Miami Gardens. And you also won't see me putting any money on this game because Miami is a a three-and-a-half-point favorite, but North Carolina still scares me uh, for some reason in this one, Coach. And I don't fully trust Miami yet, even though De'Eric King statistically has been very strong this season. Yeah, I mean, it's not the offense for Miami that scares me. It's the defense still. Um, I mean, yeah, they can get after the passer. Um, but Sam Howell does a great job of eluding pressure. He does a great job with pocket awareness and getting rid of the ball quickly and and being accurate with it. So, I mean, you know, you're going to have – I think this is going to be a high-scoring affair. So, if you want to put money on anything, I would probably put the money on the over. The over-under set at 67.5. I kind of feel like with this matchup, that's, that's like free money. But – and again, there it's this will probably be a six to three ball game. No, uh, no, in my luck, but um, you know, I, I I worry about the, either defense being able to stop either one of these quarterbacks, and and for different reasons. I mean, Derek King is just a dynamic athlete, um, great through the air, great on the ground. Can't can't seem to get a beat on him. Um, and then Sam Howell is just the ultimate poise. I mean, I'm not gonna say Sam Sam Howell's not an athlete either, but. Um, you know, he, he does things that he does things well that dear, dear King doesn't necessarily have in his arsenal. And, 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 uh, likewise, uh, on the flip side there, but, you know, I, I think you're looking at two great offenses here. Um, uh, Mike Harley 
uh, Miami side of the ball as a receiver. Uh, you know, D. Brown there for 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 the Tar Heels. He's almost got a thousand. He's got eight touchdowns. It, it's baffled me that North Carolina's lost three games. Honestly, I, I don't understand kind of where, you know, why they play such like a high low, you know, type ball game. You know, they're they're, they're up, they're down, they're up, they're down. Uh, they had they had that loss to Notre Dame, which is looking more and more like a good loss. So I understand one of those losses. It, it was a good game for a little while with North with uh, North Dakota with uh, with Notre Dame, but. You know, the, the other two losses, I, I just the Florida just, the Florida State loss is completely perplexing as we've seen Florida yeah, State completely free it, it, fall it is. It is. throughout yeah. the year, Josh. And the the thing that would worry me if I am a Tar Heel fan though is that they are still giving up more than four hundred yards per game. There's not yeah, that, defense. That's uh that's a major worry because look, Derek King is a hell of a quarterback. And he is the worst thing possible, which is a dual threat quarterback. So if you're shaky on defense, this is about the last kid you want to face. And uh, Derek King has had some kind of up and down performances this year as he's gotten used to the new faces around him with such a strange offseason. But. He absolutely eviscerated Duke the last time out. 16 of 24, 248, three touchdowns, and then chipped in another 46 rushing yards and a touchdown. If he has a day like that against North Carolina, I'm not even sure Sam Howell can bring them back because, Matt, you you hit it perfectly. This Tar Heel defense is a mystery at best. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it, it, it really is. It really is. Yeah. I think this is going to be an exciting game. I am excited to watch this one on Saturday. But uh, Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Josh. I was just going to say, before we left the uh, ACC, I did want to say I'm very intrigued by the Commonwealth Cup this year. Uh, Virginia Tech won 15 in a row until the Who's won last year. If Virginia wins two in a row and it drops Virginia Tech to four and seven on the year and it brings Justin Fuente to 37 and 27 and 24 and 18 in conference with declining results every year going 10 wins, nine wins, six wins, eight wins, four wins, they're paying him four million dollars to be essentially mediocre. I think that they lose this game. They need a win. win What's big. the argument for bringing him back? I think he's a dead man walking. Honestly, I think he's going to have to win big um, in, in this matchup because, again, the investment. Uh, I like UVA's chances, though. I mean, <laughs> they're you know they play some good football at times. I mean, obviously they you know w- what we said when they first hired Bronco Mendenhall was it was going to be a freaking project, and uh, yeah. he got them in the big. He got them in the ACC title game last year with uh, with your cousin Matt uh, uh, Bryce Perkins, <laughs> and uh, you know they, they I felt like they lost a lot off off that team, and and they're still playing at a high yeah. level. I mean they're five and four, uh, so they're they're turning into a team that's getting a little bit more consistent as a program. Uh, they're starting to do some really good things as a program in, in, in general, and I think one of the one of the last hurdles uh, for them before they really take the next next giant step is is to take control of this rivalry here with uh, with Virginia Tech, and I think they're well on their way of doing that. So I wouldn't be surprised. You know, the the matchup predictor here that I'm looking at on ESPN has them as 35 percent uh, favorites to win this game. I I don't buy that at all. I think I, I think they're going to win this game. What's interesting about that five and four is they opened with a nice win against Duke, but Duke's winless this year. They lose four straight at Clemson. No shame in that. No. NC State. NC State's an eight-win team. They're one of the best teams in the ACC. Mm-hmm. At Wake. Wake's kind of a up-and-down team. Sometimes they get you. And then at Miami. In Miami, we just talked about how good they are. And then this was their this was their next few weeks. Beat North Carolina. Louisville postponed, then played Louisville, beat them, beat Abilene Christian, then had Florida State get postponed. Then they got a new opponent with Boston College, uh, beat them, 
and now they got Virginia Tech um, TBD on if that Florida State game gets replayed. But, Probably uh, not. Or, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, they've won four straight, but have had weird postponements kind of disrupt their practices and, and schedule and stuff. So it, it's a... It's strange to say an impressive five and four, but it's a kind of impressive five and four. It's very streaky five and four. Um, I'll tell you what's kind of impressive is that uh, Chase Bryce for for a uh, two and eight Duke team um, is sneakily almost got three thousand yards throwing. Duke has two wins. <laughs> yeah, I must have slept through both of them. You must have. Uh, let's see. They beat they Syracuse. Beat, they beat Syracuse and they beat there Charlotte. Ah, yeah. yes, the 49ers. Yeah. They beat the 49ers, University of Charlotte. So, <laughs> yeah, no, it's some, some interesting matchups in, in the ACC. I mean, you have Wake Forest, Louisville. Uh, that'll be a fun one. Uh, Pitt, Georgia Tech. That should be that should be fun if you're a Pitt fan. Uh, and I feel like NC State should be playing somebody, but they're not. So, what's next, Matt? The SEC georgia missouri top 25 matchup oh in yeah, columbia missouri georgia's coach, ranked uh <laughs> yeah coach your dogs hey. get to go on the road this weekend it's supposed and to be fa- face a team that is you know seems to have a wild time every time they go out there on the football field except mm-hmm. against vanderbilt who they smacked around yeah. like a redheaded stepchild yeah they if, Missouri's a very interesting team. They're playing really good football right now. They've got a lot of confidence. Speaking of a team that is playing above their head, uh, you know, Larry Roundtree's been an absolute force uh, for them in the run game. Uh, Basilic, Baslick, however you want to pronounce his name, um, you know, he's been a he's been a shot in the arm for this program, I think. And and he, you know, they've got a lot of confidence on the offensive side of the ball. And they're very pesky defensively. Yeah, I think Eli Drinkwitz has done a tremendous job with this program, and just getting them to play at a level that, you know, they they need to play at. You know, they've let's see, their last five, they've won four out of their last five. Granted, it was Kentucky, South Carolina, Vanderbilt, and Arkansas, which Arkansas is a very very tough opponent these days. Um, Vanderbilt not so much, but South Carolina played them tough. Uh, Kentucky played them tough, and of course they got throttled by Florida, which a lot of people can share that sentiment. But you know, for Georgia, I, I think it's it's going to be another uh, another test that you know they I think they finally found some balance in their offense. Where against Mississippi State, they got their 400 yards passing. Against South Carolina, they got their 350 yards rushing. So I, I think you're going to see in this game, you're going to see how. Kirby Smart and how Todd Monken can blend those two philosophies together. Like now we're going to have to have a good mix of it because Missouri plays you so tough and, and they can take some things away in the run game. They can also take some things away in the passing game. So you're going to have to mix it up a little bit more than you have been in the last couple of games. But JT Daniels, again, just, you know, I, I think he's, this, this will be a good road test for him. This will be a good cold weather test for him because it's supposed to snow. Um, and uh, it's supposed to be in the 30s and, and, and snowing, low 30s and snowing in, in uh, Columbia. So we'll see kind of how that how that emerges for uh, for the passing attack. Here's Jackson uh, becoming the top weapon for JT Daniels, Jermaine Burton, George Pickens uh, also in on the action. I think they finally are starting to get the tight ends involved with Trey McKitty. Uh, like to see Darnell Washington get involved a little bit more, but – you know, uh, I, I'm, I'm kind of interested to see how that goes offensively. Defensively, I would like to see Georgia get their get their confidence back. There's a chance that Richard LeCount could be back after that uh, catastrophic uh, motorcycle crash he got in uh, earlier in the season. And I would just like to see the defense play with a little bit more confidence. I understand the way college football is going now in all levels. That defense – Dominant defense is going to look a little bit different than it than it used to, uh, because you know offenses are so explosive right now, and offenses are 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 ahead of the curve, and defenses are in the catch up mode right now. Whereas a few years back, it was kind of like defense pulled ahead. Now offenses were trying to catch up and pass them, and you know it's it's just an ongoing chess match between offense and defense in, in college football. But um, you know, I think you're going to see. Ben don't break is going to be the the philosophy who can 
you know, who can force more punts, who can get, you know, timely turnovers, who can wreak havoc. I think you're going to see a lot more uh, high risk, high reward type uh, philosophies on defense. And, and uh, you, know, you just got to kind of, you know, figure out what, how you can put heat on, on Basilic, how you can, you know, you, you got to make them one dimensional, things like that, and, and just get stops, honestly. And, and I think Georgia's, Georgia will be just fine in this matchup. But if you if you let a team like Missouri hang around, Arkansas showed you what can happen if you let a team just hang around um, and you don't put them away when you get a chance to, they can beat you. And Georgia's 13-point favorites, I don't know if I buy that spread. I don't know if they cover that spread on the road. The over-under set at 52-and-a-half, so you, you know where the – you know where the confidence in the offense is in this game. So um, it'll be interesting for sure, nonetheless. Well, I tripped over his name in uh, in our last show, so I'll get Eli Drinkowitz nope. right this time. Nope, you didn't get it. Eli Drinkowitz? Drinkowitz. No, Drinkowitz. Two syllables. Two syllables. Drinkwitz. There's no O in the middle. Drinkwitz. It, it's it's uh it's Novitsky got it Dirk Novitsky okay yeah uh no it's Dirk's little brother Eli is the (laughs) new coach so uh yeah I mean Missouri is Missouri's kind of rebuilding kind of not they had some pieces there they're five and three it's impressive that's better than what I think all of us thought but coach I know you like to avoid the reverse jinx with Georgia and you like to be diplomatic but Let's be real. Missouri's punching above their weight. Their wins this year are LSU, who's awful. Kentucky, who is, I guess, maybe at best mediocre. South Carolina, who's a joke and fired their coach. Vanderbilt, who's a joke and fired their coach. And a rebuilding Arkansas team that Missouri needed a miracle comeback in the fourth quarter to beat. It's, you know, Missouri's a nice story, but they don't have the talent right now in the state of their program to beat Georgia. There's a reason why Georgia's a two-touchdown favorite. If the dogs play to their potential and avoid what all three of us just love to see, all three of our teams enjoy the sleepy start. Mm -hmm. If Georgia avoids their own sleepy start this weekend, uh, they should be able to handle this Missouri team. I mean, Alabama handled them quite easily. Tennessee of all teams. By the way, did Jeremy Pruitt get an extension? I can't remember. Uh, <laughs> I heard that. <laughs> yeah, Tennessee I heard that he beat did. them. <laughs> Tennessee beat them, and then you know Florida just throttled them about a month ago. So yeah, Missouri's punching above their weight. Let's be honest. Yeah, no, I, I, mean, I you're, think you're probably I right. think they are. I think you're probably right, Josh. But it's still an interesting. Georgia's it, got to learn how to communicate on defense. I mean, I think that's that's been the biggest issue because it's not talent. Because Georgia's had the number one recruiting class the last three years. It's not talent. They're not short on talent. They're not really short on experience either. They've got a lot of guys that they've rotated throughout the course of the year and some throughout the course of last year that uh, weren't starters coming in this year, but have been pressed into more action. It's just getting those guys on the same page and communicating it and, and doing that. That's kind of where it where it lies. That's where kind of the, the disconnect is. And I, I see a little bit of that with Wisconsin too. And you know, because Jim Leonard didn't all of a sudden forget how to coach. I mean, come on, let's be realistic about that. Uh, it's just a lack of communication and and knowing who's got what defensively. Communication is like paramount because you got to know where people are. I think that's where Indiana is great. I think that's where Coastal Carolina is great because they have guys that communicate with each other very very well. And so they're good at at, at, at stopping you and, and forcing and putting a lot of pressure on you as an offense. When you don't do that and you make it easy for opposing offenses, that's where the game kind of gets away from you a little bit. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with you there. Okay, let's head over to the Pac-12. <laughs> Two interesting games here this weekend in the Pac-12. Washington versus Oregon and USC versus UCLA. Washington, Oregon looked a lot better of a game uh, before last week, and then both those teams lost uh, last weekend. So that is not quite as uh, much of a heavyweight matchup as we may have uh, anticipated. Uh, so I think I'm going to call an audible here and just quickly skip over that one and get to talking <laughs> about the battle for Los Angeles. Um, Are you sure? 
I mean, I mean, come if on. you want to talk about that, yeah, go well, ahead and go quickly, Josh. Let's go. Well, let's go. Rage Against the Machine style, <laughs> Battle of LA. Well, well, I was just gonna say, you know, Oregon. Tough to figure out what happened. I mean, they started out three and zero, and things were looking pretty good. They lose the rivalry game, and then they lose to Cal. Both of those games were on the road. Maybe they are the Pac-12 West Virginia. I think Washington is pretty clear. You know, Washington started out 3-0 and also. They almost came back to beat Stanford. They had a horrible theme of the night, hashtag sleepy start. Um, they were down 24-3 to at halftime, almost came back to win. But, I mean, this one was super simple. They gave up over 400 yards to Stanford. Stanford went ton of 13 on third down, two of two on fourth down. Huskies just could not get off the field defensively. I think if Washington's defense puts together any sort of halfway decent game, they can beat this free-falling duck team. Yeah, it's 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 strange how Oregon coming into the coming into this season, albeit a weird season, was just they had a lot of they had a lot of even though they were faced even though they were replacing uh, Justin Abair. Uh, they were, you know, they were picked to win it, man. They were, I mean, I, I, I liked them a lot. I almost put money on them on betonline.ag uh, to, to win the conference, but I'm glad I didn't because they are falling like a brick. And I think Washington will be, be fine. Washington will get kind of back to their to their groove a little bit. I, you know, COVID, I, I said this in the, last, in the last episode, COVID is just ravaging this conference. You know, I, I think it's, it's, it's been a crapshoot, honestly. Uh, with how teams are going to perform week in and week out, because your your practices are probably disrupted and weird and discombobulated. So, you know, take that for what it's worth, I guess, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Okay, well, then let's quickly talk about the battle for Los Angeles. USC, UCLA, USC the last undefeated team in the Pac-12. UCLA, things are looking up for the program but I'm not sure that they are going to be able to slow down USC coach. I mean, we saw the Trojans last week just get out of the gates fast against mm-hmm. Washington State. They did not go to a sleepy start. No, they they were at the opposite of a sleepy start. Uh, what do you think that UCLA can do to keep them in check, or is that even possible at this point? Uh, slow them down a little bit. Make them make I mean, them how? make them drive. How? Uh, get. Put heat on Slovis, uh, stop the run game, uh, and 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 find a way to disrupt Amon Ross, Stink Brown at the at the line of scrimmage, uh, and then when they get the ball, don't turn it over, and you know play keep away, grind the clock down, you know just any, anything you can do to to kind of grind the game. The, the tempo of the game to a nub. I think UCLA's got to play slow, ugly football in this one. I think they, they give themselves a chance. Um, and then, of course, knock Sl- Slovis around, hit him a little bit, disrupt him, disrupt his passing lane. Uh, put up, put on that, uh, you know, I, I, this is going to be weird to say because they scored 34 points, but uh, put on that Arizona State or that Arizona game uh, from from the, the 14th and, and see kind of how they played them. Uh, because you know it was ugly there for a while, and then they kind of pulled away there at the end, and then Arizona kind of got back in it with a with a um, you know cosmetic touchdown to get, to get it close. But uh, I, I think you know Arizona did a good job early in that game of really kind of disrupting Slovis, and I think UCLA is talented enough to if they if they carry a similar game plan, they can actually kind of follow through with it and, and make this game. You know, winnable for themselves. Whereas Arizona just—I mean, they—they they did all they could. They threw the kitchen sink at them, and it was like you're throwing a rock at a tank. Honestly, uh, talent-wise and talent differential-wise, uh, with with the direction of those two programs, so they didn't really stand much of a chance, to be honest. But um, I, I think UCLA does, and and they 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 can be explosive in their own right. Dorian Thompson uh, is Dorian Thompson Robinson is somebody that, that, that I really like as a quarterback with what he offers in the throw game and the run game. Uh, you know, I, I think that their, their running back Felton is, uh, is another good one that, that can cause a lot of problems for you. And I think what, if they can get their running game cranked up, Matt, th- this could be something that UCLA can hang their hat on. They can chew clock. They can get some momentum. They can, 
they can kind of slow down the tempo and, and, and get USC out of rhythm. You know, they've got to get creative with how they disrupt that rhythm where it's hold the ball, hitting Slovis, you know, roughing up St. Brown off the line of scrimmage, things like that, just varying coverages, just whatever they can do to disrupt the rhythm of the game for USC because they thrive on that. They thrive on rhythm. Yeah, Demetric Felton is a very talented running back. And, Josh, this UCLA team is now looking more and more like a Chip Kelly team than they have in either of the previous seasons with Kelly at the helm just because of that rushing attack. Yeah, I mean, that's where it really all starts. I think people kind of think back on Chip Kelly and they're like, oh, you know, high-powered offense, high-powered offense. What were they doing, like air raid stuff? It was actually having incredible running back play and just making defenses respect that and starting to kind of do a very traditional thing of, you know, it's cliche to be like, establish the run so you can pass and and loosen up the defense. But that is actually what Oregon did. They just packaged it in a very different shotgun formation and a very different scheme in how they got the job done. But at the end of the day, it was all about having really good running games. And that's what Felton's bringing. Uh, I wanted to build on something coach though, answered about what UCLA needed to do. And he said, slow down the running game and slow down Slovis. And if you are a Bruin fan and you look at the numbers and you go, wow, actually we might be able to do this because Slovis has been sacked nine times in four games. That's not exactly ideal. Uh, Granted, when he does get the pass off, he's absolutely eviscerating teams. He's got a 72% completion rate, 10 TDs, two picks. Um, But that is a breakdown. That's a little alarming to see over two sacks per game for your quarterback. Mm -hmm. And then the running game, it's really weird. They have three backs who have all have 27 or more carries. And their individual numbers aren't bad. Four and a half yards, 4.9 yards, 3.7 yards average. But when you look at their game logs, it's almost like the old Florida thing of when you have two quarterbacks, you don't have a quarterback. All three of them have one standout game that boosts their per carry average. And then the rest of their games are junk. So... I don't think USC knows who their best tailback is. And I think that's an issue because as a team, they're running for 3.6 yards per carry. Unless they're planning to do the Woody Hayes thing of three yards in a cloud of dust. That's not very impressive here in modern day football. So I think there are some issues with the running game. And I think there are some issues with pass protection. And if you're looking to score the upset, those are two great things to build on. If you're a UCLA Bruin fan. Yeah, there is. All right. Well, I want to move now to our spread formations. Last week, we had one of our games, Georgia versus Vanderbilt, canceled because of COVID. So we only had four on the docket. <laughs> Do we get our money back when that happens? Uh, what's, yes, Ve- the- what's Vegas doing? <laughs> um, coach went 3-1 and one last week. Josh, you and I both went 2-2 two and two for the season. Josh, you're at 33-31. and 31. I'm at 500 at 32-32. and 32. Coach, you're making up ground, catching up back up one week at a time at 28-36. and 36. We will start this week and staying in the Pac-12. Uh, Utah is headed to Colorado. Colorado is a point-and-a-half favorite at home. Uh, it's my turn to go first with the picks. And... I like what I see out of Carl Durrell and the Buffs, so give me the home favorite Colorado Buffaloes. Josh, who do you like? Well, Utah got off the schneid. They've had a very weird season. They've had some games uh, postponed, um, and then they had the games that they did play. They lost two of them, and then they finally beat Oregon State to get their first win of the season, but it was a fairly unimpressive victory against a beaver team that has a very big rebuild uh i don't expect the tougher buffs defense to give up as many rushing yards as they did to tie jordan for utah so i'm with you matt i'm really impressed with what colorado's done i think they win at home and with such a narrow spread 
it makes sense to take the buffs. Yeah, I'm going with you too. I, I just don't whatever you whatever Utah has, it isn't it this year. They had it last year. I thought they were really good last year. They did not carry that momentum over to this year. They're playing like a team that has no confidence in itself, that doesn't believe that they can do anything uh, worth the damn. And any team that starts Jake Bentley at quarterback, um, whether or not he's starting, they started him at, or they played him at one point. So um, that kind of infects your team, I think. So uh, COVID, all those, all the factors that, that have been involved with this conference, I think Colorado's handled it well. Utah has not, so give me the buffs. It's one and a half points. Hopefully they don't pull a uh, – hopefully they can cover this spread, uh, Colorado, and hopefully they, they can win by more than one point. So give me the buffs. All right. Um, next up we've got uh, a Big 12 matchup between Oklahoma and West Virginia. Oklahoma two-touchdown favorite on the road. West Virginia is a completely different team at home than they are on the road. And Oklahoma has looked a little lethargic in the last couple of weeks, so I'm actually picking West Virginia to cover, not necessarily win outright, but I like them to cover here. Josh, how about you? You know, if that Iowa State game was a little bit closer, and yes, I know it was in Ames, and that seems to be the book on West Virginia, their home versus road performance, but I think it's pretty easy. Lincoln Riley just pops in the Betamax and recreates what the Cyclones did, and West Virginia had no answer for it. I'm actually going to take the Sooners to cover. Okay. Betamax. Yeah, I, I like the Sooners to cover this one. The, the closer they get to the Big 12 championship, I, I think it's going to be – they're going to start to dial in a little bit. I, I know they kind of slept walk through the Baylor game, which you can do that. Um, West Virginia, they're not going to be able to do that. They're on the road. Uh, they got a little bit of something for, uh, for the uh, Mountaineers. I think they win by three touchdowns. Give me the Sooners. Boomer. All right. Next up, we've got Rutgers and Maryland in uh, College Park, Maryland. It's College Park, University Park, College Park, College, College Park. Park, College Park, College Park, Maryland. Is it College uh, Park? It's College Park. It's College Park, right? It's College Park. Yeah, it's College Park. Definitely because it's University Park, Park is uh, Penn State. I always mix the two up. Anyhow, yeah, so it's definitely College Park. Anyhow, Maryland, <laughs> and we're sure it's not College Station, right? <laughs> we're, we're we're sure about that one. It's definitely uh, College Park for sure. Is it University Station? <laughs> it might be University <laughs> Park Station, Station Park, University Station College. University. That's what it is. Station? No, it, it's in, Station yeah. University Park. It's there. We go. That's the one. There yeah, it is. Park State. Park Station. There we are. Okay. So, um, like I was saying, uh, Rutgers headed down to face uh, the Terrapins and uh, Maryland, eight point favorite at home. And because I feel like it, I'm taking Rutgers on the road with for literally no reason other than my father is a Scarlet <laughs> Knight alumnus. Josh? Well, I'll give you some reasons why um, you can give Rutgers some love. Maryland has had one of the most messed up schedules in the entire country. Here have been their last three games. Canceled, canceled, lost at Indiana, canceled. Um, hard to get into a rhythm with that. Uh, their Indiana loss to a Tagovailoa's brother. Did I get that one, Talia? Talia Tagovailoa. Tagovailoa. Yeah, yeah. Uh, three interceptions. If there's an issue with him, it's he's a young quarterback and a little interception happy. He's got seven on the year, seven picks to seven touchdowns. So there is some stuff that you can like about Rutgers hanging in this one. Um, the problem is Rutgers got blown out by Penn State. So if you are buying it, you're buying that Rutgers will play a lot better than they did against Penn State, and I actually think they can. Matt, I'm stunned by this. Two of us are taking Rutgers. If that spread was closer to like three or four, I'd be all over Maryland, but you're asking a, a young quarterback to win a game by more than a touchdown when they've had such a disjointed season and looked so bad the last time they came off a COVID delay. Uh, I don't know. I'm a little worried. Yeah, if, if Maryland's schedule wasn't so jacked up, this would be an easy one for me because I would pick Maryland every day of the week in this one. But, however, 
Um, I, I think oh, no. I think there's a lot of factors that oh, no. go into play. And, oh no! And I'm going to pick Rutgers because oh no, it will pick, Maryland is going to blow them out. They have it, the triple stink on them now. It, it will piss off Tennessee fans. That's Tennessee fans will be in, be in a tizzy if Rutgers has any bit of success because of what they did when uh, Greg Schiano was rumored to be taking the uh, Tennessee job. On my on my little post-it for where I write my notes down, I had Rutgers circled with about six question marks next to it. <laughs> and now I hate that pick. Maryland wins by like 82 now. <laughs> Probably. Well, I'm surging, I'm surging now, man. I was 3-1 and one last week, so Rutgers is definitely going to win this one. There we go. All right. It's going to be like uh, three to nothing. Let's then head uh, up if it to it uh, Western New York, where the undefeated Buffalo Bulls will get to play this weekend against Akron. They are a 32.5-point favorite at home. Uh, I'm riding with Lance Leopold and them boys here. Josh, how about you? Yeah, can I – throw some numbers at you for how good Buffalo has been this year. Yes. Um, yeah. Uh, 49 against Northern Illinois, 42 against Miami, Ohio, 42 against Bowling Green, 70 against Kent state, but surely Josh, they're giving up a lot of points. 30 to Northern Illinois, 10 to Miami of Ohio, 17 to Kent or to uh, Bowling Green and then 41 to Kent state. Uh, they had Jarrett, who we talked about uh, a couple shows ago. Yeah, who had, uh, he did go to Jared. He, he also went to the end zone eight times. This Buffalo team is really good. I'm blanking on his last name. What is it? Patterson. There we go. Jared Patterson came to me. Akron is coming off their first one of the year against Bowling Green. The problem is Bowling Green and Akron are two of the worst teams in the entire country. You learn literally nothing from that. Buffalo is going to obliterate them. Give me the Bulls. Coach? Yes. That's my pick. No. Um, it's hard. To, God, it's so hard to pick Akron. Uh, they're so bad. <laughs> they're so, so bad. Uh, this is this should be an easy one. Uh, I'm going to take the bus, too, because Akron's just, they're just pitiful. <laughs> they're just pitiful. All right. They're sleeping. Uh, speaking of pitiful. The Kansas Jayhawks. They're at home, and this is a this is uh, the reconvening of the single greatest moment <laughs> in the history of the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. If you folks will remember, it was oh, I think three seasons ago. I want to say the 2017 season. Josh, where you called Kansas to beat Texas at home, you called it five weeks in advance. It was a recurring bit that I was happy enough to laugh off as a stupid recurring bit that somehow came true. No, Josh, you were uh, you could you could believe it. So uh, this week, Texas is a thirty-point favorite on the road in at Kansas at the track. I'm tempted to take Kansas again here, but gosh darn it, they are pitiful. So I will take the Longhorns here to cover that 30-point spread. Josh, what say you? Well, let's let's do some uh, some of the fun number crunching, will we? Coastal didn't cover a 30-point spread. They only beat them by 15. Baylor didn't beat them by that much. 33. Uh, Oklahoma State. Only beat them by 40. West Virginia, oh, we're getting a little closer, 21. And then Kansas State beat them by 41. Iowa State beat them by 30. Oklahoma beat them by ooh, about uh, 53. And then uh, TCU beat them by 36. So really, you're hanging your hat on Kansas learning something from the Texas Tech game that they only lost by three and magically turning it around but um yeah i i don't see it i think in all honesty kansas's best hope is texas is just totally disinterested in this game and packing it in 
but I don't think that'll be true. They have Ellinger playing out the string of his career. He wants to go out a winner. And Herman is, with all the smoke, coaching for his job. And we sort of saw that against Kansas State where they dropped 69 points on them. So I will take the horns to cover. Coach? Well, I guess I'm going to be bold. I'm taking the Jayhawks. Uh, not to win, but I, I think I think Texas is going to have a very comfortable 24 to 28 point victory here. Coach, you picked Rutgers and Kansas in the same week. <laughs> Call me crazy. <laughs> I'm crazy. I'm crazy, boys. Yeah, no, I, I, I just think you know the theme of the the theme of this week because uh, we said a lot last episode too. Uh, sleepy, and I think Texas is going to be a little sleepy, and I, I, I think, I think Texas is going to score about forty points, and then I think, I think Kansas will score about fourteen to seventeen, and I think they'll barely, they'll barely fit inside that thirty point window. It, it'll it'll go a lot like the A and M Vandy game went, where it's like it's a huge spread, but you know Texas just kind of sleepwalks themselves through there. And then, Tom right. Herman, and then Tom Herman gets fired. All right. <laughs> well, in that case, I think that's a good way to end it for today. Well, there, there's one game that we normally talk about because it's normally isolated on its own week, but we probably should give at least a little bit of attention to the historic rivalry, Army-Navy. Uh, Navy, middle of the season, started to look a little frisky and then it's fallen off. They limp in at three and six. Army, I think Army had a bunch of games canceled because I feel like we haven't seen them for a while. But in fact, they have played some games. They played Georgia Southern. Uh, they played Tulane along the way. Uh, but they come in a seemingly very quiet seven and two. But Army-Navy is this week. It's December 12th, uh, which is the Saturday, obviously. It's being played in West Point. That's very rare for this rivalry to be on one of their campuses. I think I read this is only the sixth time in their rivalry, but uh, a very bizarre game because this is usually, like I said, their own week, it's their entire own show. And now they share it with everything else. Well, then, on that note, uh, I think we do need to. Uh... Honor the troops by signing off. No, I'm going to honor them even further by talking about the weirdest game. <laughs> I mean, how did we miss this one, gentlemen? Arkansas State, 4-7 and seven on the year. Why are we talking about them? They're playing Incarnate Word. And in case you're wondering, this is Incarnate Word's debut game of the season. They're 0-0 zero zero heading into this one. <laughs> oh, wow. The pride of San Antonio, Texas, incarnate yeah. word. A lengthy offseason to get ready for this one. Yes. Oh, good. All right. Time for us to wrap it up then. So uh, that's going to do it for us here. Uh, happy week 15. And on behalf of our own offensive coordinator, the coach, Corey Burton, here in Nashville, Tennessee, and our traffic blogger from Big Ten Accounting, Josh Cook, up there in the Windy City, Chicago, Illinois. This is the professor in the Music City saying so long and see you next time on the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.